Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective, here to help you make meaning in your own life by sharing the meaning-making stories of other people. This week, I am joined by the wonderful Eli Laird. Eli is a PhD candidate in computer science at SMU with a focus in explainable artificial intelligence. His research involves the development of AI systems that can explain their own decisions to humans in order to ensure safe, fair, and transparent human-AI interactions. This episode was fascinating to me, especially with all of the new questions that are coming up and research that's coming out about artificial intelligence, and we really dive into the metaphysics behind this scientific inquiry and how it's important to incorporate new advancements in our own making meaning stories. So with all of that being said, let's take a deep breath and get started. much for taking the time on this Tuesday to come on to the podcast. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so for listeners at home that don't know anything about you, give us like a little brief who you are, what you do. Okay. Sh- little spiel. Yeah. So uh, my name's Eli, obviously. Um, I am a PhD student in AI at SMU or Southern Methodist University in Dallas. And uh, I've been studying computer science and AI for about six years now. Um, not my PhD. My PhD just started. So, um, <laughs> but all of your undergrad and master's yeah, exactly. research is too. So AI, I've yeah. been like building up to this point so I can finally get over the road. But yeah, um, yeah so I've been studying computer science for this long. I'm really interested in science and how we can build like artificial intelligence. Is that even possible? I don't right. Know. right. So that's kind of like my whole goal. And yeah, so that's that's me. I love that. Um, well, thank you for coming on the podcast and spending time. It's it's not an insufficient or insignificant amount of time. So thank you, I appreciate it. Um, and on that note, to kind of kick off our conversation, I'd just like to start with one thing you're grateful for. It could be anything one. that comes to mind. I think I'm really grateful for just the people around me. Mm. You know. Um, Doing like a lot of school or doing a lot of anything that you love like really takes a lot of support. And there's definitely yeah. no way I could have done it without my family, my friends, girlfriend, everyone, uh, just being supporting and like pushing me to reach my goals. Yeah. Really well, and I like how you frame that about even when it's something you love, it can be difficult, right? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I heard a quote the other day that was like hard work for something you don't love is stress, but hard work for something you love is passion, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard, grueling work. Oh, I love that quote. That sounds great. But yeah, it is, it's definitely, there, there's no way to get around the hard work. Yeah. So, best to have it with other people, I would yeah. say. So. I love that. That's wonderful. 
Now, to go a little bit more in depth about you, and before we really dive into the topic of today's episode, which is going to be AI, because you are the AI expert that I know, um, I thought it'd be really cool to have someone to discuss that, especially since it's so big in the zeitgeist, in technology, and also in education, and everything right now. Um, but I would love to hear your story. Okay. I know that's a big question, but <laughs> however you interpret that, however you'd like to answer it, what okay. is your story, Eli? Let's see. Um, without going to like specifics of like yeah. how I lived here and all that Sure. Kind of Whatever you want to share is perfect. It's always been about kind of finding something I'm really interested in and then figuring out a way to get there. Mm. And that has taken many forms throughout my life. For example, in like middle school and high school, it was about drums. It was about music. I didn't know um, that. And so it was like, how can I be on the on the drum line, on the marching line? How can I be in this band? How can I do this? Right. And it was doing whatever it takes to get there. Um, as I transitioned out of high school into the college, it was just like, okay, what's my next thing that I want right. to do? Um, whether that was get an internship or was it... Uh, get into this master's program or even like figure out what you know I wanted to study for the rest of my life it was figuring out a way figuring out your own path to get mm-hmm. there and I think I've just followed that idea of kind of building your own path my whole life yeah um and it's I, I think it's worked out so far yeah <laughs> I would say it's, so it's definitely more enjoyable than following someone else's path yeah um so yeah I love that. I think that's really wonderful. Um, Because 100%, I think there are so many, like, well-worn paths out there that you're offered to take where it's like, this is what's recommended, but those people aren't you, you know? So it's like, how could any of those paths ever truly be the thing that is going to be right for you, except the one you designed for yourself? Exactly. And I also heard from an old mentor of mine was like, from a competitive standpoint, if you're following the same path to say a company, you are the second person to follow. At best, you're the second person. Whoa, to follow yeah. So you're never going to be, you know, pioneer in that in that sense. That is such an insightful way to put that, but that's so true. Even for people who want to do theoretically traditional things, you still want to be the pioneer of what you're doing right and so it's like if you follow the same path you're never going to be the first person to do anything right and to me that just sounds boring but i think so (laughs) right but i'm like that's that's the way that we agree (laughs) not everyone does and it's okay if you're i believe if you're using someone else's path too or using that as inspiration or a foundation but it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be the end all be all right and i mean there's no reason why you can't follow different paths and jump on different paths and it's all that's doing is just mixing everything into what you think is your path. So, right. Um, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So start with something and then mix it up. And on that, that you have to start somewhere, you, the kind of sentence that you used to describe your life was you were trying to figure out something that interested you and then figure out a way to get there. And I think that even though figuring out a way to get there is really hard, figuring out what interests you is arguably harder for a lot of people so talk to me about that process and what it was like discovering that like oh music and playing an instrument is something that really lights me up and Mm -hmm. now with ai and research like 
what is that process of finding something that interests you like? That is an interesting question. Because I, fortunately, I don't know if it's possible all the time to figure out what you're interested in. Huh. Um, I think, like everyone says, follow your passion. And I think right. I'm really, I'm grateful and lucky to have a passion for what I do. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't. Um, I think the main thing was just trying a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, like, for example, coming into college, like, AI was not what I was interested in. Computer science was not even on the question. Really? Um, like, I came in as a mechanical engineer. My dream, or quote, dream, was to build race cars for Formula One. And That's I was a like, cool dream. That sounds pretty great. And yeah. So, um, once I started that, starting the process, learning classes and stuff, I was like, oh, wait a second. This is not interesting at all to me. Um, so yeah. that was a failed path, but not really a failure. But um, from that point... Um, Failing forward exactly, and learning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was able to... I pivoted to computer science. More so because by happen chance, um, my roommate was working on a computer science. Like, he was in the major. Uh, he was working on a, on a problem for his class, and he asked me to help him. Um, and I helped him, and I was like, shoot, this is really fun. I really forgot that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And so it was kind of by chance that I got back into it. Right. Um, so I think a lot of it is luck, um, but it's also just like opening as many doors as possible so you yeah. can choose the right one. Yeah. But. Luck and opening as many doors as possible. What would you say to someone that feels like they don't even know how to open a door like what is the first step for someone's like who's I've never even considered living a life that I'm passionate about I feel like that your doors can be anything they can be mm. big they can be small a big one would be moving to a new city for a new job yeah that's complicated a small one could be talking to someone in the bar because or in coffee shop, better example. Yeah. Um, that door, that person, they have an idea that may, you know, capture you that you may be pursuing for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, or be a relationship that completely exactly. changes the course so, of your life. Honestly, I mean, the doors are the people because, you know, we're all this big network and the only way to figure out what else is going on in the network is to start talking to people. Mm, and yeah. so, I mean, that's how kind of I got into computer sciences. I heard some friends taking classes. I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. Yeah. And uh, that opened a door and then keep talking, keep asking questions, yeah. I guess. Yeah, keep asking doors. questions. I also love the idea that, like, people are doors. Yeah. Right? It's like the more people you meet, the more experiences you're exposed to, the more life lived that you can talk about and right. compile and eventually build whatever kind of life brings mm -hmm. you joy and purpose and... I mean, otherwise, how else would you, if you're locked in your room, thinking, well, yeah. how are we going to know about anything else, any other opportunities? Yeah. Like books are just words for people, too, so that's another way to do it. So, yeah. 100%. I love that. So, to pivot a little bit more into AI, um, this is something that I'm certainly not an expert in, but I think that it has a lot of very interesting... Um, consequences and implications for a couple different areas of philosophy. 
one, consciousness and like the philosophy of mind, I think is always a big one that's talked about. But to kind of extrapolate from there, this podcast is called Making Meaning. How what does our meaning making change in our identity and personhood change the bigger and broader the AI gets? So that's a huge question, but let's start with the building blocks. What would be your baseline definition of AI for someone who has never heard the term before? Okay. I am kind of borrowing from other like definitions. That yeah, I've, please do. The most baseline definition of artificial intelligence or just intelligence is the ability to do a multitude of different tasks mm. um, based on information. Okay. So we can do that as humans. We take in sensory data, we, take, we see things, and we do tasks based on that information. Right. And so that link between, say, like vision and a task, like walking, the link that links those two is the intelligence almost. Okay. It's like you can have all this information you want, but if you can't transform that into action, there's. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. And so. We naturally can do that in what we call consciousness, uh, which we have no idea how that works. Right. Um, how does it arise? <laughs> right. So that's like human intelligence is yeah. our ability to do that. Artificial intelligence is intelligence built by humans. Now, it's not restricted to that because obviously down the road if we build can AI. AI build can, AI. Exactly. So it's it's... I don't want to say non-naturally occurring intelligence, mm. because how do you define natural at that point? But yeah. um, in the end, it's all intelligence. But for now, artificial intelligence is intelligence, as I define, built by us humans. Built by hands and not quote-unquote naturally arising. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So, jumping to a little bit of a bigger question, your main research in AI what is the biggest thing that you center your focus on? You recently presented at a conference in Lisbon about mm -hmm. your research, which is super exciting. Tell us a little bit about your main research, your mm -hmm. area of study, your area of interest in the AI field, because it's so vast in and of itself, it's, right? It's a hard, well, we talked about picking doors. Part of yeah. the process of doing PhDs, what door do you want to do within the vast thing of right. AI? Um, I landed on this subfield called explainable AI. And what explainable AI tackles is the problem of building AI systems that them themselves can explain to humans how they are making their decisions. Mm. And so this is really important because as we start building large scale AI systems that start, you know, say driving cars or making decisions on jobs or right. running companies, um, just as with the human, we could say, why did you make that decision? We have to be able to do that with the other intelligence as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is vastly interesting to me because I think, like you said, there's this kind of baseline understanding of explainable intelligence where it's like, why did you, like two siblings who get in a fight, right? And the mom's like, well, why did you hit your sister? It's like, cause she made me mad, right? Mm -hmm you have a very, a very instant explainable reason for 
why that action happened. But if you kind of zoom out, we don't have, like you were talking about earlier, an explanation for consciousness, how Mm -hmm. we actually operate, and we don't actually have a very good way of explaining to anyone why I am the way I am. Right. So, putting that in context of AI, your work centers on this first area of questioning, right? Having an AI that could explain why did you not hit your sister, but how were you able to do this math equation? Yeah. So, I think, first off, right now, it's really elementary. So, explain what AI is. Very simple, barely even cause and effect of like, why is this picture of a cat, not a dog, something mm. like that. Or even, that's even more complicated, is this a cat, and where is the cat in the image? Got it. So, um, from those fundamental building blocks, we can combine the other building blocks and hopefully get a larger explanation of like, what is a cat, or why is a cat? <laughs> so, uh, but I think down the road, once you get more complicated systems, the key to actually getting artificial consciousness is to build a system that can ask those why questions. Right. Um, not only for the purpose of explaining to us, but to explain to itself and to ask itself and reflexive, just like why yeah. I like this. Well, that's of. how a lot of people define consciousness in philosophy is, mm-hmm. well, human beings have the high, highest level of consciousness because we are able to ask, why am I conscious? Right. right. Which, I mean, the very small question of like, why did I, you know, was your example like why did I hit my sister? Or yeah, something, which I did not hit my sister. <laughs> no, I was about to say, <laughs> but, uh, as, as a sister with a brother, and you as a brother with two sisters, that is clearly an about me <laughs> example. <laughs> yeah. But if you zoom in too far, of like, why did you do this? and you go into the, the brain and see these connections fired or whatever, that doesn't tell you much. Yeah, so, um. And when we zoom in to that, we don't really find consciousness either. Yeah, so you just see synapses and neurons firing. Right? right, and that's why it's so complicated to define consciousness is because it's somewhere within that realm or even outside. We don't really yeah. know. Um, Almost. So that's so interesting to me too in the sense that if consciousness happens somewhere in between an electrical impulse in your brain and the action actually occurring, mm-hmm. that reminds me of your definition of intelligence, that it happens in between whatever decision you've made and actually acting on it, right? Yeah. yeah. So it almost seems as though the question of consciousness is embedded in what AI is. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, it's it's difficult because it's so, so hard to measure. Yeah. We can measure the things on the ends, but right. we can't measure the middle. And that's the fundamental question of yeah. AI is like, how do we do that? How do we know when we've gotten there? Right. And Right now, we have no <laughs> You idea. can't measure the thing to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And so, I think the only way we'll really know to ourselves is, like, like I can sit across from you and know that you're a real person. Right. You, you are there. You have consciousness. And that's my consciousness telling you that. Right. So, as soon as my consciousness starts telling me that AI systems have the same thing, that's the best I got, honestly. Yeah, um, well, and even that, I think, poses an interesting question for humans because they're actually, and this goes back to my philosophy research, which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on, because I think there's a very interesting intersection here, but there's actually no way for me to conclusively prove 
then I know that you are not a figment of my consciousness. Right. Logically, I know, right, that you are another person that has a full life and you are a full being that is conscious, but I can't prove that. Right. And so it's, at, at what point does AI take on the same level of consciousness? It's like, well, if I can't even prove it for myself that someone else exists, mm-hmm. like you said, AI could already be there and we just don't know. See, that's the that's the really interesting part. It's like, is it already here? Yeah. And we have no idea. Of even and being able to identify, like, check mark, yes, it right. happened. Right. So, I mean, we work very cause and effect. We're very cause and effect focused. So, like, As any good scientist it, is. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we won't really know until we start seeing some effects that we've Right. Um, right. Which vary by the institute that you ask. But, yeah. Which, I mean... The whole field of AI is always divided on what does that even mean? Is it even like required to have consciousness to have an impact? Yeah. Which I don't believe so. Um, Well, and have an impact. It's like something can be vastly useful, and just because it doesn't have a consciousness shouldn't mean that it's not an extremely helpful, beneficial technology. Yeah, or extremely dangerous, too. Yeah, 100%. For example, like viruses are incredibly simple yeah they're not alive they're just little bits of code mm-hmm. in your RNA right and they can cause tremendous pain they can cause yeah. pandemics it can as we've seen <laughs> exactly so we're living firsthand experience but yeah. um, that thing so simple can do so much and yeah. so that really opens the opens the air in the AI talks of like you've got to be careful about the yeah. small things too it's not just the consciousness that's going to potentially cause problems. Right. It's the smaller things that build up to that, too. Yeah. So, a so, couple things that I want to touch on before kind of rounding back to this question of consciousness, because that is the thing that I am just, like, consumed by on a daily basis, is, like, why are we here, right? So, I do want to come back to it. But I think a lot of people, they hear AI and automatically are, like, scary, scared, bad, no, right? And I think that, like you said, it's a really interesting balance because you want to be very careful and intentional about the work that you're doing to make sure that any avenue isn't being unnecessarily harmful, but Mm -hmm. also I feel like real consequences that happen like from things that we've seen in the past are usually accidental. Mm -hmm. So when people come to you as someone who is like at the forefront of your field and the forefront of new research in this very hot button issue or not issue topic what do you say when someone is scared of AI um one say calm down <laughs> like, calm down we're not we're not at the point in my opinion that we need to start fear mongering and like oh my god we've got to shut down things right um we're at the point where we we need to start thinking about those op- those possibilities. Sure. But adding in fear, I believe, adds more harm at the yeah. moment. Um, well, fear prevents people from acting logically, right? Exactly. And so fear could even cause somebody to do those things that they were even fearful from. Yeah. For example, like uh, like a typical arms race. It's like, yeah. I'm fearful of this other country. My adversary is going to be building this AI, so therefore I'm going to build Right. It almost causes like a self-fulfilling prophecy of fear. Yeah. Um, And I think we're at the point where 
we have two roads. They don't necessarily diverge, but where AI can cause tremendous like um, impact on health, on the economy, on the climate, on it could solve. Well, it's so broad that it can solve almost everything we can think of. Right. Because so could we. We're yeah. intelligence is solving problems. So right. Um, I think we don't know if the benefits outweigh the risks mm. yet we don't know all the benefits or, or all, the, all risks. the risks yeah and we won't ever really but um we're yeah. not even at the fork yet so yeah we can't i think fear will cause us to quit before we even get started mm. well and i think that with anything you never know if the benefits outweigh the risks until it actually happens right like mm -hmm. in any presentation of something new happening throughout history or even better example I'm like jumping all over the place because this gets my like wheels turning thinking about it but I'm like when I'm thinking of some of that happening in the future that I'm really nervous about I will like worst case scenario what are the thousands of options that could ever happen mm -hmm. guarantee it will always be something that I could never have guessed exactly and it's like it's the same thing where doctors used to prescribe cigarettes now we know that they're very bad, right? Yeah. It's like the more things are around, the more you learn about it. And there's things that you just can't know until it is put into practice. Exactly. But fear only holds you back from learning that information, I suppose. Right, which I'm, speaking of fear, I'm fearful of us stopping all the research mm -hmm. too early. Yeah. Um, which, unfortunately, AI research is tied to a lot of the things that we're fearful of, like at one right. company becoming the sole owner of the AGI or right. artificial general intelligence. Problem is right now our field is because of it it costs so much money to build these systems. Yeah. With really high performance computers, networking all the same all the crazy stuff. We're kind of at a point where we don't have a choice. Mm. But what we've seen recently with, you know, the ongoing of chat GPT, right. um, the big fear was, okay, OpenAI is going to have a monopoly on this. They're going to be the sole, you know, company that's going to take over the world. Yeah. But unexpectedly, uh, the open source community of researchers mm -hmm. actually have been building their own models that are competing against it. And so we didn't know that was going to happen because we thought that you need hundreds of millions of dollars, billions right. of dollars to do these things. but a large group of just people on the web have been able to combat it. So, Which is crazy to think right. about the power of just human ingenuity. Right, right? exactly. So it, kind of, I mean, it, it just shows that humans, we will find a way. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't go over too far. Sure. Um, but there's so many different possibilities that we don't even know. So I think best bet is to try as many as possible and see what paths are bad yeah. and which ones are good. And well, and I think there shouldn't be anything wrong with conducting research. I mean, the same way that um, there are safety protocols in place for making new vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. Or for any, like, biomedical um, experiments, they're always done in, like, very safe regulated labs and, like, there's very safe protocols for disposing of biohazards and stuff that can be very harmful. I'm sure, speaking as someone who does not know this for a fact, but there are plenty of ways that you can 
protect the research that you're doing, like within this computer element from getting out of hand before you're ready for it to. I guess yeah. that's kind of part of the question mark with AI is yeah. if it's self-learning, how do you prevent it from taking over even the safety measures? But it would seem to me like there would be a way to build in safety measures so that you can do research mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, we need to make sure we build this precaution into any model or product or right. anything like that. And I think the way forward to have the safest way to do research in AI is to have an open system, Mm. which a lot of people are, you know, criticizing large companies that are doing their research and then not publishing how they got there. Oh, interesting. Um, And so the key to a safe development and pursuit of AI is an open source community that's doing research and to share the ideas and to share like, oh, I found a solution that could be harmful all right how can we build around it yeah while otherwise if a company finds that solution and holds it to themselves so guaranteed someone's going to find that solution and then they're not going to tell anyone about it and it's going to be too late and they may not have the resources to to actually fix it and yeah. so just transparency is the clear obvious choice yeah again i tend to agree with that but i think also information is power and information is also money and True. so yeah it, it's it goes directly into competition with how yeah. everything's run so so on that line of thought another thing that i wanted to make sure that we touched on um because obviously there's the strikes going on right now when we're recording this who knows it, this will be released in a few weeks so hopefully the strikes have been resolved by then but sag astra mm-hmm. or sag astra and um wga the Actors and writers unions in Hollywood primarily um, are all on strike because of unfair wages and a really big sticking point in those strikes is why would we pay you when AI can now write scripts? Um, So I'll just throw that out there as food for thought. I don't know if there's a good answer to it. Obviously, I think that you can have writers and computer technology work hand in hand like one does not mean you can't have the other um but i think this is one of the very first things we're seeing in terms of economic change um not just scientific change in relationship to ai and i would love to know your thoughts so yeah there's a lot of worry about ai replacing jobs which right. it, it will yeah. and that's kind of unavoidable um I do believe that it will also create new jobs. I don't mm. know how. That's, you know, we can't really, we have right. no idea what the internet would have created, but it's true. Here. I'm hopeful. But on the specific thing for like generative AI, like ChatGPT for writing or for MidJourney and all these different image creation uh, AIs for creating movies and everything else. Um, AI is the way it is now is trained on data data mm-hmm. comes from us right? Um, and it's all scraped from the internet it's all the data on the internet essentially and so at best these systems can get up to us that's it right? and the data on the internet is never going to be a perfect uh, representation of humans Yeah. and so that in itself is already an approximation of human nature and so, 
if you have you're building an approximator, which is the AI on approximated data, you're never going to reach that level. It's of a copy of creativity. A copy, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And so while we don't know exactly what creativity is either. Yeah. Um, we we've seen this recently with ChatGPT and everything. It's it's extremely limited already. Mm -hmm. it, it'll get better. It'll get a lot better, but it's limited on right. what is given. And so, until we reach consciousness, which I don't think we're close to, yeah, I don't think we're going to have like real, truly creative AI. Right. So I think we'll always have a need for humans in that sense. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, because I've never thought about AI as, like, the information that it creates being, like, a duplication of a duplication, but it is almost like marrying information to create a new thing, but mm -hmm. even in that, it's like, well, it's still using things that humans have already created to yeah. do that work. And so to truly add something new to the conversation of whatever field you're in, you do believe that a human touch is needed for that. Just in your, this uh, is totally your opinion at this point. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I still fully believe that. Yeah. And also another point is like, do humans even want to say like, go to a, a restaurant that's fully run by robots or yeah. watch a movie that's fully written by AI? Like, yeah, in theory, you know, it'll personalize to you, but we kind of like variety. And yeah. We like seeing things that, we're, we're, we're fundamentally, we like being around humans. And yeah. So I think people will naturally kind of prefer That's so human-created stuff. Because one, we are herd pack animals, right? Like we like being around other fellow creatures. And I think that there's a lot of strength and diversity and it sounds like when you duplicate a duplication, maybe you lose a little bit of the diversity of like thought ingenuity within that because you're only replicating. Um, not to say that AI, like you said, won't get better and be able to do certain things in the future. Um, but also, I think this element of being challenged mm -hmm. is really important. And I know for me, I'm like, that's something I look for in my friendships and relationships and with my family. I'm like, I want to surround myself with people and things who provide a challenge that make me feel like I'm growing. And if something's catered and created just for what you want, I would have to imagine that would get old very quickly. Well, I mean, even look at everything that people hate watch, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, hate watching is one of the number one ways that internet jobs are created, right? Yeah. Like, in AI certainly wouldn't think to create something that people hate, <laughs> right? Unless they're programmed to, which is always the next question. <laughs> but I think that raises some really interesting points in terms of creativity. Um, to follow down this line even further and kind of tie back to our conversation of consciousness... I had not thought about this until we were talking earlier, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is a very scary thing. What does it mean for human beings? Could a computer ever be considered human? At what point does a computer become a human being? Like all of these very sci-fi George Orwell questions that people start coming up with, right? Do you think that there is also a world in which those very questions that so many people are afraid of are the thing that help 
us uncover more information about ourselves in the sense that like the more that we learn how AI is developing consciousness or getting closer and closer, the more we actually understand our fundamental nature and that instead of it being this scary thing, it could actually be a huge tool for growth and self-understanding. Certainly. Um, I would think that as AI, as we start developing AI, figuring out how we can build an intelligence, we mm -hmm. start to understand how ours works. And so with that, one could think instead of building two separate things, then we're reaching the same point right. at one thing, at, at one point. And so I think the process of creating is how we can understand ourselves too. Yeah. And creating the flaws also is a thing. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's a mirror of ourselves. It's yeah. Like it's the data. So if we're, we're just building a mirror that we can, you know, yeah. form. Which it's so funny to me that like that's it seems like time and time again what humans always do is just create something in their image but even if you look back at the christian bible it says that god created humans in his own image it's like even in this one um religion so this is just one example but in this historic text the being that's more powerful than any other beings is still doing something that's borderline rooted in narcissism to like center yourself at it um not to say that the judeo-christian god is narcissistic but i think you understand the point i'm trying to make of like human creation always seems to round back to that and it's like well if we're just creating something that is ourselves is there anything to be afraid of except ourselves well i mean a reason why people are worried about building ai is because we're building it based off of ourselves. Yeah. And so how can an imperfect creature build a, you know, perfect creature? Yeah. I don't know if that's possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, it goes back to us. Like, yeah. AI is going to be bad if we're bad. So yeah. maybe we solve our problem first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then AI yeah. won't be the problem. I mean, I mean, it's always been us. So well, it's and it, the problem. It's also like this weird chicken and egg situation too, where it's like, well... Which one will come first? AI helping solve issues or us solving issues so that AI isn't such a big <laughs> one? Or I, it does make me think a little bit of this like creator created complex where, of course, we're in Texas growing up in the Bible Belt. I don't know what religious tradition you ascribe to or if you ascribe to one, but, um, you know, in any religion, there is a creator story. There yeah. is a how the world was created and how we were created across the board. That is something that is always included. And it's always something that's bigger and grander and greater than us that has created us. What, how does that story not mirror us creating an AI, right? And it almost creates this like Horton here's a who effect where then, like you said, how do imperfect creatures create a perfect machine? Well, Theoretically, in a lot of these creator stories, how did a perfect being create imperfect beings? Mm -hmm. It's just like, shoot, yeah, which one came first? As it, you right. So is it possible, or how do you even define perfect? That's probably the other question. Yep, question great, great like, question. Is that even possible? Are we perfect? Are we not perfect? Yeah. Is this whole state already perfect? I don't know. It gets a little meta. At that yeah, point. it does. But, it does. But like, yeah, I mean... Can you even answer those questions with AI? I don't think so. Because, I mean, 
one way to say is we could build a perfect AI if it matches us. That's a perfect match. But Theoretically, a perfect match. Yeah. yeah, to us. We don't even know what that would be above us. Because right. that's all we know is ourselves. So how yeah. are we supposed to know what is better a than A higher ourselves, being you know? would even look like. Exactly. So that's pretty much all we can do. Yeah. Well, and then it's like at what point it's like, well, maybe they're a more intelligent being, but does that mean they're better? Like you get into this question of like, what defines goodness yeah. even? Yeah. Which so that's going to get even more complicated. Which yeah. We got to figure out, we got to answer what is consciousness. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's essentially a loop that we've always had. Yeah. Philosophy of just why are we here? Right. Why are we? And then we'll be asking, why is that here? And what is that? Yeah. And how does that work? And yeah. So the biggest thing that I'm really taking away from this conversation in terms of the question of consciousness is AI is just another really profound example of how human beings tend to stumble into these same questions time and time and time again. Right. It's, it's a loop. Right? Yeah. We've always done the same thing. We yeah. always will. And the, the more advanced technology gets, it gives us new iterations of these questions, right? Right. And maybe it's because, like, technology's been changing, but our human's really different. You know, yeah. like, our nature's been kind of the same throughout all of history. Yeah. No matter if it you know, sticks and stones or flying cars. Yeah. We're the stagnant thing. The human is a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, I totally agree. So, a couple questions before we round off the podcast. Um, what has studying and researching AI meant for you and how you make meaning in your life? So we started the podcast and you talked a lot about how trying to find something that really interests you and then figuring out a way to pursue that was really the big journey of your life. Now that you have found AI and you're choosing to pursue it, how has that informed that life's journey and what your purpose has become. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm a very curious person. Mm -hmm. I've always liked asking questions, and that's kind of why I've fallen into the research realm. Um, and I feel like <laughs> AI is a great area to ask I, questions. I know, that's what I was about yeah, to say. Yeah. It's like for AI, it's like I think it's one of the most important problems that we could ask because it, it's the it's the question of are we as well yeah. so what are we what is consciousness and that's always just like hit me it's just like i don't know why it's important but it just it feels like it's be, important right? yeah you know and getting away from consciousness like on the intelligence side of things like doing things that do other things or building something that can do other things well that's so broad that it, you could do anything right so Am I really, I ask myself sometimes, am I really just interested in AI or what it can do afterwards? So it's almost like opening up many other doors. Yeah. For example, like you can use AI for the medical field. You can use AI for space exploration. Yeah. You can use it for anything. Sure, so, you could use it to figure out a way to make a pit stop on Formula One cars a whole lot faster. Maybe I'll go back to the right. original. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so it's almost just like a universal key that'll get me... It, it just opens up doors so I don't really have to make a decision. Yeah, so you can just stay cheap. curious. Right, so I can just do what is constantly, you know, bugging me in my mind while through the lens of AI, I guess. I love that. I think that that is 
like kind of ingenious like you hacked the system that you get to just like stay really open and curious about all these things but be like but this is what AI has to say about it so you can continue exploring because I do think so often again going back to our conversation at the beginning of the podcast of having so many paths that people say you have to follow or so many things that are like well this is a well worn path like that's that's how you make it happen that's how you are successful but being able to find a path that I mean no one is going to look at someone who is in doctorate school at a very prestigious university who's presenting on something at the forefront of their area and their field and be like oh okay well you're not successful but at the same time you found a way to do something that I think anyone can admire and appreciate and still make it your own Mm-hmm. which is, I think, really powerful and creative in its own right, that you have found a way to, like, do that for yourself. I think that's really, really cool. I, I certainly think so, because, I mean, I've had jobs in the past where I just didn't really enjoy what yeah. it was, and I don't see a lot of point in doing something that you don't really want to enjoy, but also just, like, can you see yourself doing this forever? Right. You know? And I, I understand, like, that's not possible for everyone, unfortunately. But um, I'm just lucky enough to have, you know, stumbled upon something that I would love to do for the rest of my life. That's really, really epic. And I'm glad that you found that. Um, okay. Final two questions to round out the pod. One, is there anything we missed? Anything in light of our conversation that you want to clarify? Anything that you want to go back to or anything that you're like this is totally random but I need to say it anything um, like that we covered most of the big things um, we did talk about some of the bad sides of AI yeah. but I'd like to highlight some of the exciting things yeah 100% um, please do because as I mentioned like artificial intelligence is just intelligence which can be applied to anything right um, the biggest things that I see coming in the next say decade or so just the medical applications are mm. ridiculous and they're growing so fast uh, because we're building these new systems that yeah. we, we had no idea we can do like recently a company called DeepMind um, solved a long problem we never thought possible which is like folding proteins which I don't quite understand right. but like um, it allows doctors and companies and researchers to actually design specific drugs um, to like the individual person Um, so the ability to actually edit stuff like that using AI is pretty crazy Um, also because it's intelligence you can apply it to say economic problems yeah Um, you could use it for figuring out how to allocate resources or how to best efficiently you know, build companies and essentially solving efficiency problems. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of work focusing on climate as well um, from a lot of different perspectives where it's like material science of like building more efficient materials or building superconducting materials or whatever. All of AI is it's embedded in everything. So yeah. I think it's going to be growing everywhere. It's going to be, we're going to see it all the time. It's not going to be as big of a word anymore. Right. And it may be like one of those movies that hopefully on the on the good side. It'll be a good episode of Black Mirror, not a bad one. (laughs) If they ever make one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that day. I'm really glad.
glad you uh, pulled focus to the good parts of AI because 100% I'm like, the lives that can be saved, the healing that can be done, the important work of climate change and all of those great things that if you can have more intelligence focused on it at one time, problems get solved faster. So mm -hmm. that is really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, final question, just to kind of wrap our conversation up in a little bow. What is one word that describes how you're feeling right now? Talking about something that I love with a good friend of mine and with a good glass of wine. Yeah. It's just, it's, ex it's exciting. And that's it is exciting. why I like doing it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Conversations well, are great. And that's why I love doing this. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for donating your time, being a wonderful friend, and donating a glass of wine to me as well <laughs> from your wonderful trip to Portugal. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's my first podcast. It's a good experience. Super exciting. And it's easily the most enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> By the same category, also the least enjoyable. But no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Awesome. Thank you, Eli. Thanks, Reese. Thank you all so much for being here today and listening to this conversation. I would love for you to be a part of it, so please head over to at the Cohere Collective on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Threads, and find any post about this episode and drop your thoughts in the comments. If you want to hear even more thoughts about this episode, you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com to catch the blog post coming out this Friday. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and if you feel so inclined, please leave an honest review or rating. I say this at the end of every episode, but it is because it is so true. This and sharing the pod really is the number one way to support the work that the Cohere Collective in Making Meaning is doing, so if you enjoy it at all, please, please, please let your voice be heard and a huge thank you to those of you that have left reviews and ratings. A huge thank you to Tristan Morgan for Making Meanings theme music and Nicole Ostriker for Making Meanings art and podcast cover. You can find Nicole's work on Instagram at Nicole O Creates or at Nicole O Design and you can find Tristan's work on Instagram at Tristan Morgan. Right now I am feeling content. <laughs> it's always interesting to start recording these intros and outros and then not actually think about it until I'm asking myself that question. But it's true. It's been a good day. I've struck a really interesting balance with my work life and personal life recently that's felt um, really rewarding. And like it really works for me, which I think is hard sometimes, at least for me, to do. So I'm feeling good and content with how things are going and how things are moving and shaking. And I hope you are too. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. I will catch y'all next time. Love. Love.